Hello everyone. This is the High Elf with a new episode of High Elf podcast. Today I am going to talk about my favorite video game, The Elder Scrolls. Now, Elder Scrolls has a deep history. It has built a lore that is like unlike any game in the world. I am not really sure about it because I haven't played many games because I give all the time to Elder Scrolls. I think one of the most interesting things about Elder Scrolls is how you never get a clear account of what happened in history of this universe or how the world is made up. You only get what you get in the real world. Conflicting stories, biased accounts, history made by the winners. It makes the world seem real rather than all accounts of history being there for the irrefutable exposition. What appeals to me the most though is how the surface seems fairly tame and almost generic. But once you start digging deeper in the lore, you will find that almost nothing is the same as the real world and none follow the different set of rules entirely. And all those obscure points in lore paint none as somewhere completely alien. Like the heavenly bodies, planes of oblivion, the stars, the sun and the sky in general and Kim. It has its own metaphysics, but you have to be willing to look for them and I think it is great. There is a plethora of roles in Elder Scrolls universe. And here are some of the most interesting ones. Before I start, don't forget to subscribe. Sometimes the lore in TES can be really engaging and thought-provoking. Things in the series can get to talking for hours and hours. I love that. But perhaps more than that, I love when things are unintentionally or intentionally hilarious. My first bit of lore I would like to share about Harseen and the Elysian Order. During the first era, nothing was known about Harseen. In fact, during this time, he was not even known as to be a Daedric Prince. Obviously, hiding the fact that he was a Daedric Prince, he managed to get Falki, one of the greatest Asian generals, to accept the gift of lycanthropy. Nobody knew the truth behind Falki's power, how he could shift into a massive beast, and how he was seemingly invincible to the weapons of their enemies, how he possessed inhuman strength. It was accepted as a blessing. However, Falki was soon known as Falki the Changeling. He was considered to be immortal. Before being slain by Derini, Falchu turned a vast amount of Alcians to werewolves as well. Something they surely would have regretted upon death. I find it really funny that a fanatical group with such an opposition to Daedra were being aided by one in secret. Second piece the little gem I found listening to ambient dialogue when I was messing around in Valenwood one time. It is a story of a spinner who made Molag Bard. So he called upon the greatest lute player in the Valen Woods to send the Daedric Prince back to Cold Harbor. And so Emerald Spinner Agorn strode into the ruins of Gilward Dell, ivory lute slung across his shoulder like a North Gate sword. The first trump drew the father of vampires from a ravaged town. He looked over Agorn with rapt attention. But the final trump drew forth a single tear from the Lord of Brutality's eye. Today you share one beauty I cannot destroy, he whispered. We will never know Agon's response for the Daedric Prince tear fell upon him and dissolved him in an instant. Only after Molagbar's departure could the Silverner gather his remains. Emerald Spinner Agon and his ivory loot were buried beneath the first grass oak planted by the great king Ephriel, founder of Cameron's throne. Another lore that I find really funny happened before Oblivion Crisis. It happened when original dragons were around pre-Alduin's resurrection. The cliff faces defeated the dragons in Morrowind. If dragons felt embarrassed about being beaten by humans, imagine how they felt once they were overpowered by hordes of smelly, annoying bird creatures. 
Even the Jews couldn't eradicate the Cleopatra plague. They were terrible. There is not much known about the imperial invasion of Aquaviri, but it is really amazing. Centuries after the Aquaviri invaded Tamriel and even ruled the empire for the time, the empire attempts to colonize Aquaviri. But it just goes horribly wrong and ends with the death of the emperor. Some say that it failed due to freak weather, and some claim that the residents of Akavir had access to powerful magic that even the empire wasn't aware of. Akaviri invasions of Tamriel went horribly wrong. And for all we know, there can still be living imperials in Akavir, perhaps ruling kingdoms or as royal bodyguards. This was a major plot point in the Wheels of Time series where a forgotten continent finally remembered to come back and take over everything. Over the past 7 millennia or so, from a giant adamantium staircase ship crash landed in high rocks and now called the Derini Tower, to the sunbirds of Eleanor, spacecraft that are eagles made of sunlight from the Somerset Isles, to the Remenite moth ships, size changing space folding moths with buildings strapped on their backs, to a tower of cats, now the Khajis have a moot colony on Skunda, to the battle spires. There is an entire game appropriately called an Elder Scrolls Legend Battle Spire to a pirate ship propelled by a slug platulet. No, I am not making this stuff up. If you want something to keep you and your brains occupied for years, research Amaranth. Amaranth is a very interesting concept. It is so dependent on and related to so many other aspects of the lore. Many of them are complex and interesting in their own right. Some of these are Kim, the Walking Wave, the Entheomoth, the Myotopia, Arena, the dream sleep, the sphere of the gods, modding, lig, kalpa, cosmology, magic, convention, real world hermetic mysticism, sahis, etc. The very very basic idea behind Amaranth is that reality, our myth is a dream. Basically the PTSD flashback of a schizophrenic man named Anil. For this reason, the dream carries many layered themes and events revolving around betrayal and the concept of identity and existence. The reason mortality and therefore Tamriel, the setting of the game, exists within this dream is because the god Lorcan, also called Lorcaz, Shor, Shezar, Sheor, and Sep wanted to make a new dream, one based around less depressing subject matters like love, and learned that the only way to do so would be by a mortal death. So he got a bunch of gods together to complicate the shenanigans to make the wonders. Also, the Hills seemed to be trying to achieve Amaranth by a different method of Lorcan. Anu was himself a mortal in another dream before achieving Amaranth and dreaming his own dream. And it is implied that the Hist was not just travelers from the dream Anu came from, but some of Anu's own children. It is further implied that the Akaviri are from the future love Amaranth. Speaking of Imperials, the Imperial Manonauts traveled the vast space of oblivion on the backs of giant moths, hopping between floating satellites anchored at the borders between the edges of realms with oblivion. Some of these, the closest we have ever come to seeing this cosmos level lore in action is the Imperial Battle Spire. It is now defunct and yet accessible training ground for the battle mages of the Imperial Legion. Lastly, one of the Elder Scrolls lore that is the basis of Skyrim is kind of sad. It is about the dragon Numinex. The dragons back then were slavers and oppressors, and Numinex was a tyrant, but he went through the worst kind of fate ever. 
long ago in the first age a fearsome dragon named Luminate ravaged the whole of Skyrim the dreadful drake wiped out entire villages burnt cities and killed countless gnolls it seemed that no power in tamriel could stop the monster luminate was particularly foul tempered even for a dragon he had been terrorizing the countryside and had wiped out entire villages burnt cities and killed countless gnolls the dragon then flew to the top of mount anthor along with a few trusted warriors olaf then confronted and fought luminate at his lair at the peak of the mountain the two battled blade against claw eventually they battled with doom and the two engaged in epic shouting duel finally luminate collapsed from the combination of injury and sheer exhaustion olaf then ordered the dragon put in chains and carted him off to white run olaf kept luminate in captivity and he was quite proud of his new toy and would often display to be mocked by his court and noble visitors eventually luminate's spirit broke and he died after his death his head was cut off and mounted above the jaw of whiterun's throne as a trophy where it remains to this day to be displayed by olaf's decree the city's keep was renovated to become a prison for luminate since then the great keep has been called dragon's reach parthunax narrates the story to a dragon born and stated that he would visit luminate during its imprisonment and that luminate was so lonely and disturbed by his captivity that he would not even remember his own name king olaf was not a honorable noll a true son of skyrim would have fought with honor and killed luminate in the righteous combat evil or not no sentient intelligent creation deserves such dishonor humiliation and enslavement cursed for his dishonorable life olaf the dragger imprisoned at crypt of dead men's respite he was not worthy to enter sovngard talk about poetic justice with this i would like to end the episode this was high elf do let me know about your favorite elder scrolls lore and don't forget to subscribe i'll see you next week with a new episode tata -ta!